the usual intro, as always. We are the Creativeless Podcast, three creativeless people that uh, we're trying every week to one of us have a guest that the other two don't know who the guest is. And uh, guys, how was your week? It was great. Very, very busy. What about your, yourself? What about both of you? Tasif. Go, Emilio. Okay. Well, well, well yeah, me just, what you're seeing behind me right now, just moved in yesterday uh, into the new studio. So just assembling everything and getting everything together. Dude, I thought I could get this done real quick. This, just assembling this desk and like all its peripherals took me a full day. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I love the Ducati. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I want the Ducati to stay on the videos. Okay. It's a that flex. Is, it's a real oh, flex. Oh yeah, it's, it's going to be here. It's going to be here. Yeah. We have, we have Ducati. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> a weird, a weird flexing, but yeah, it's okay. We we get it. Yeah, the the week was uh, a little bit hard. The weather is very hard as well. It's going from sunny to winter, from winter to sunny. But um, what do you say? Let's start with uh, questions of who is going to be today's guest. Mm-hmm. Who do we now, have? First of all, we have already two guests on the show, and you're both in Canada. The first two mm-hmm. guests were in Canada, so mm-hmm. I took the initiative to bring a guest that he's from Canada again. How <laughs> Just do you so like you that? fit in. <laughs> Just so you fit in. Yeah, because I, I have understand so far that, yeah, one day I will be in Canada. Like, the way you're, you're yeah. getting there, right? <laughs> I, I won't have any option. I won't have any option to go in Canada. We can so, only have Canadian guests from now on now. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that, right? the rule. New we rule. can make that right the, the podcast <laughs> I, I believe you're everywhere the creators from canada are everywhere in youtube in, in all social media cinematographers you know there was a phrase that was telling we have a lot of snow in winter so what else can we do we make videos <laughs> yeah, there you go That's a fair point there you go okay so this is the first hit for the second hit are you ready mm-hmm. this is for the audience yeah, the audio is... It does make it very obvious. Yes. <laughs> oh my yes. God, I didn't even know who Ladies it was. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Gerald and Dan himself in the show. He's check, the only check, person I would check, have expected check. to get it perfect. Oh, check. he's got it. He's got it. There we go. Yes, yes we, can yes, we, we can got it. You. What's up, man? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not giving you my best mic. I'm giving you... A the mic over there so I can record with this one. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, It's all <laughs> running into a laptop. I don't know what's going on. It's How's it perfect. going? We can hear you. That's all that matters. Everything is going. How, how are you? How, how are things going? How uh, the, uh, we see the new studio, the new, the, the new backdrop on the back, right? Yeah. We have a new, new theme, new everything. So how, how is being so far? How is this new year? How is, you know, everything YouTube related in a uh, first start? It's been going well. I, I I don't really have any complaints. Um, you know, there, I I get pretty obsessed about little details. So when I first moved, I was spending a lot of time on just like little things that probably don't matter far too long, trying to you know shift things like a couple millimeters this way and that way. Like, uh, and then I just kicked my tripod when I was setting up for this thing, so it doesn't really matter. You know, like I had like the shot perfectly symmetrical, and then as I was putting in a drive to shoot this podcast that kicked the tripod. It's like, well, there, there that goes, you know. <laughs> that so. always happens, always. Oh, yeah. First of, of all, we want to say a huge thank you for, uh, you know, giving the time to be on the podcast. Of course. And uh, for the audience that, you know, doesn't know who you are, let's start with uh, who is Gerald and Dan? 
Am I answering that? Yes. Who is Daryl Dutton? Oh. <laughs> I thought that's what I had you guys for. Uh, I'm a, a guy who makes YouTube videos on, uh, I call it creative technology because it sounds more sophisticated than just saying cameras and stuff, but cameras, lenses, lights, microphones, I don't know, whatever you would use to, to make videos and photos and stuff like that. I make videos on the stuff that goes into making the other stuff. I'm the, I'm the middleman. I don't know. Yeah, One question. Gerald is uh, being very, very, uh, very humble here because... Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, we're going to fix that. We're going to fix <laughs> yeah, it later we, on. We no no worries. <laughs> but one question that a lot of people I know wants the reveal of the truth is, what is the undone? Like the origin of that? Yep. How did um, it come? Yeah, it's, you know what? It's like a bunch of things all at once. Um, I was looking earlier on in the channel. I was looking for a name. Obviously, that's what you do, right? Mm -hmm. Um I wanted a name that was that sounded like a name, like an actual, you know, like my name is Gerald, but I wanted it to be like not like, you know, Hammer reviews or whatever. I wanted it to be like a name, um, but I didn't want it to be like a real name. I wanted it to be a name that could mean some things, be like a fun kind of playful idea. And my videos at that time were sketch comedy and just like absurd surrealist nonsense videos. So I wanted something that kind of leaned into that of like. What's up with this guy? Is he, is he crazy? You know, like that that kind of idea. Um, and so I was playing with a bunch of ideas. Uh, a bunch of them actually had un in it. Like there was like, you know, un, unleashed, un whatever. Um, and then there's also this Weezer song concurrently, the undone sweater song, which has this lyric, uh, you know, uh, watch me unravel pull this thread kind of idea and i thought that was kind of fun so it's kind of a fusion of all those wants and that's where the gerald and dunn name came from uh but it's also worked a little bit like i said it's kind of a name like an actual name you know like if i my caller id if i call somebody it says like gerald and dunn is calling order so it kind of works like a name yeah, it sounds like a name <laughs> yeah. so i was able to transition it into what i'm doing now so basically it's your name right it's gerald and yeah no, That's no, any secret. Yeah, not, not any secret behind this. You just got to legalize it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you get people that actually think that's your name? Yeah, I mean, um, well, it's more of the opposite. People are like, that's not really your name, right? Like, that's oh, the kind of okay. question. But you can tell this doubt there. We're like, is it? Is it really his name? <laughs> I've never heard that surname before. <laughs> so, Gerald, um, you already know from uh, when you're posting videos or our reaction of the whole community of content creators that you are the first person whenever we see a new camera a new lens you are the first person where we're heading into the channel to see okay we have for example a new sony a new panasonic a new canon a new lens let's go to gerald let's go what he created about this lens now i know there are a lot of factors behind this and because this is a huge success if you ask me to gain the trust of all the creators and to be a creator, a guy where, first of all, we all free as, feel as a good friend, you know, that he's going to give us advices on what are we getting on a new body. How did all these things started with the camera reviews, with the gear reviews, with the lenses? Uh, well, first of all, thank, thank you very much. That's very flattering to hear. Um, I, it's, well, so yeah, so I was, I had a YouTube channel making goofy stuff, right? Um, and... At the same time, 
there there was a photography business and a little bit of video stuff going on on the side that had nothing to do with the YouTube channel. But I but I was getting new gear or had access to stuff or maybe there was something new that I was into. And so because the YouTube channel was basically just whatever I wanted it to be at a given moment, um, there'd be times where I would make like, hey, I got a new lens, you know, just like <laughs> I didn't have a direction for my content. Like one minute it'd be like some sketch, the next minute it'd be like a weird lens review. It's not really like a good review, but just kind of like, hey, I got a lens that does this. Um, and I was just experimenting with YouTube and I noticed that the uh, the videos that were like comedy based weren't performing at all. Um, but the the one-off tech videos or camera videos or whatever would exponentially outperform them. And even though those videos were kind of bad, comparatively, uh, they still got decent reception. I mean, not great, you know, like 20% dislikes and stuff like that because I was like smelling things and it was still kind of absurd, you know. But, uh, but you know, decent reception of like, oh, you got a knack for this or whatever. I like the way you talk, like that kind of stuff. So eventually, it was early 2018, I had been integrating more and more of that as it went. And eventually, at like early 2018, I was like, you know what? I think if I'm going to keep messing around on YouTube, I should just focus on these are the types of videos because they actually are working and kind of like remodel the channel in that way. And so that's, I guess, that's the YouTube side of it. The the me side of it is that I've always been, like my entire life, have been into technology. And I've always kind of considered myself a bit of a computer nerd. And cameras were just something I was into at the time and the, like cameras were were getting really really good like I, at that time it was like you know 5d mark 3 whatever it was just like, like wow cameras are crazy compared to the ones i used <laughs> to have you know years ago um and so i was really experimenting exploring and really enjoying that kind of stuff as i typically would being just like a tech nerd and uh eventually kind of just like poured into making YouTube videos, but it could have been anything really. I mean, I could have just been obsessed with toasters at the time and then that was my channel. I don't know. You know what oh, I mean? Like it, Pizza ovens. Pizza ovens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gerald, it, do you ever it, wish you could go back to like the comedy stuff, like put more of that into your videos? I mean, sometimes, like sometimes there's a little bit where I feel like I have, to, I have a job to do. So, you know, if you guys watch my videos, you know, I put in a little bit of dry humor and I, I'm yeah. a little bit silly from time to time. But for the most part, especially if it's like an important launch, I'm pretty serious about the video. And I guess I kind of feel like I have to be because it's people's money on the line and it's important information and I'm trying to provide a useful service. So sometimes I feel like I wish I could be less serious about it or maybe find a way to... You know, integrate it. Like, I'm, I'm okay with the amount, like the amount that I do now. Even when I only like make the odd joke, you still get the odd comment that's like, no, no humor allowed. But most people enjoy a little bit of humor. But I feel like if I went too hard into it, that might be a problem. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious. Like, let's say, like, you just took like a review or something, and then you just decided to vlog it and like just go outside and like just do something completely out of the cuff, right? How do you think your audience would react to something like that? I think that anybody's audience is, is a mixed bag. So I think there'll be some audience that just really likes me and they'll be like, cool, it's something different, let's do it, you know? But I think there'll also be a portion of the audience that is there for a very specific thing. Mm. And there's everybody has a part of their audience that they don't like change, they like what they're used to, they tune in for their weekly show, whatever it is, and they want it to be similar. They won't react well. And then I think there'll also be a, there's a portion of the internet that is very... Um, 
they like one thing and they strongly dislike something else. So yeah, they vital. might be a fan of a particular vlog style and then they watch my videos and their only comment is like, boring. <laughs> or maybe they're a fan of like my yeah. content and I would start to vlog and they'd be like, unsubscribe, this is trash content or whatever, you know? <laughs> so you'll get that kind of like strong. So I think, you, I think you'd get a mixed bag. But I think the goal maybe for anybody on this platform is to build a large enough of the core audience that likes you so you can do whatever you want. Yeah, um, so that if you do make a ma massive change, that when you end up with the leftover core audience, it's still big enough to float you. Like if you just started it, that might not work, right? But yeah. um, whatever so I used to call it. following you instead of what you make, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And that's probably not your full audience, mm -hmm. but you want your audience to be big enough that whatever that slice of the pie is, is big enough on its own. You know? Yeah. So on that note, congrats on uh, 250K. What's that? Uh, on that note, congrats on 250 Congratulations. Yeah, that's thanks, huge. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, that's guys. Huge. So, so let's uh, wait. I believe let's wait in the near future to see more of how initially a lot of times Gerald started, right? Now, because now you have a very strong core audience that I strongly believe something like uh, we were discussing channels like Peter McKinnon, for example, that he started as a tutorial guy then he started reviewing uh, you know gear reviews and stuff mm -hmm. like that now he does whatever he wants so yeah it's a great example yeah. mm -hmm. perfect perfect and we we definitely want to see more music from you i have to say that you're playing <laughs> great guitar and uh, not a second channel inside the channel why why youtube has to be so hard and you know this is a question that a lot of times comes in my hand why youtube has to be very uh, strict on what you have to post in your channel once you made a specific niche. Why do you think this happens? I think it's it's based on behavior of people, probably. Um, it's also easy for, computationally, I think it's much easier for you know machine learning and that kind of thing to, to understand it. If, if you have a specific type of parcel that you can deliver and, and it's consistent, it's the same kind of thing, and then the, the YouTube machine can take that and you know disseminate it the way that it does, and if it gets a certain amount of engagement or a certain amount of you know when we send it to these people it works well, then if you can keep delivering similar parcels they'll be able to deliver to the same people and get the same results and it keeps the whole machine working well. But if you're doing something different, mixing it up all the time, and they keep trying to serve it to the people they served it to last time and it doesn't work for them, they have to keep guessing and eventually they go, eh, let's just go with something that's easier to figure out how to serve, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, think that, I think that's probably the, the fundamental reason. And so you on the other end as the creator, you're just seeing numbers, you're just seeing results. And, yeah. you know, one week something's doing well, one week something's not doing well. You asked me about 2021 so far. The thing that I've been happiest with is that I've had really consistent performance that has not only been good, but it's been better than it probably should be for a channel of my size. And um, things have been doing really well, you know, like 50, 60, 70,000 views on like every video I've posted week after week. And mm -hmm, I've kind amazing. of dialed in on doing something very consistent in that way. Like, you know, I late last year, I kind of figured out my thumbnail idea of what I was gonna do. So I've just been doing that all year, doing similar titling all year, similar styles of videos and length and that kind of thing. And so, the, the results are there, which kind of encourages you to be like, well, I guess keep doing that thing because it's working, you know, like whatever YouTube systems are doing, it's it's working. And uh, it's obviously consistency is what that's based on, I think, you know. G Gerald, I think what uh, Tassif said at the beginning, I see a lot of humble when you're talking because 
as I told you, you haven't realized that you're the first guy that we always go to see his videos on the new cameras. Like you're saying right now, I can understand the views, but even, and you're a very good example of the size of YouTube channels on a specific niche, that you see channel like you, that you have 250K subs, and your latest videos get like 100 or 150K views, given the audience. And that's because something is shareable, something that we see in all the publications. Gerald posted a new Lens video. We're gonna see it everywhere in publications, in Twitter accounts of other creators. So this is a tremendous success. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling I, I, you, yeah, that's like- That's very kind of you to say, thank you, man. Now, you, you mentioned something, you mentioned the thumbnails. What is the process? Because uh, we talked about thumbnails on the very first episode of this podcast. Oh, what you? is the, yeah, yeah. What is the, the process that you do on the thumbnails? So the strategy I kind of, I've been, if you look over my videos, like it's only been maybe the last few months that it seems like there's a consistent thing. I've tried different things, um, including all the like the typical ideas, you know, you gotta get a face in there. You have to have a reaction face. Yeah, I gotta put some text on Like I tried, I've tried everything. Um, and some things work and some things don't work and I never understood really anything. It'd be like, well, I did the same thing. Why didn't it work, you know? Um, so what I started doing, which was just an idea it was what if the th I shot a thumbnail the same way that I shot my video so that it would almost kind of look like my video in the a sense. Video. Yes, yeah, yes. because I have, a, I have a recognizable, I noticed that people were like making purple memes and jokes all the time, right? So it's like I have a recognizable Why set. Why did you say that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> Especially in the old set where it was just a purple wall, right? Yeah. So that's where I started it was I thought, well, if it's me sitting here, I have this table and I had a purple wall behind me. What if I just put the lens here on the table and the purple wall behind it and shot it? It would look a lot like you just subbed me out for the lens. Um, and I slowly started developing that, you know, making them bigger and lighting them a certain way. And uh, then I was like doing like some accent lighting on it, like the orange and purple accent lighting and kind of build it up from there. And so then when I made this set, I actually kind of took this set, which was like an older set that I had, but then made this set look like the way I lit my thumbnails, even more, even more so, so now it's kind of like, it's all just kind of combining into one where, yeah. and now I shoot the thumbnails again here in the same set. Basically, it's an idea that I'm hoping that if you see one of my thumbnails, it's obvious you could you. almost you see know. me. Yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? Like I without me being that. in the thumbnail, you could see yeah. me somehow, so I don't have to figure out what face I'm gonna make and then and yeah. people can never complain that I'm making YouTuber face because I'm not in it. But somehow it, it looks like me somehow. And yeah. so I really leaned hard. I feel like I've kind of polished that up in the last 100%, couple months. Yeah, yeah, like when I see that in my feed, I know automatically it's your video. So Same. yeah, no, I think it's working. It's true. No, you've done a great job of that. It, it It's so obvious straight away that it's you. No one else just has that kind of like style. So yeah, congrats, that, that works. Honestly, so it's it just took a while to cultivate table. it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah for sure it's just that table and the purple light yeah that that's right, right there it's like you know dead giveaway you can never <laughs> sell that table gerald that's your, that's your table <laughs> the table is a fun story too it was um back around that like early 2018 thing i wanted i was like maybe i'll do some more of this camera gear stuff i should get like a you know i was sort of on trend at the time to do a lot of overhead shots on like a wood table so i need to get some kind of wood table then um then i had a buddy not too far away who does like a lot of bespoke you know, everything's making furniture and metalworking and that kind of thing. And I asked him, you know, what he had. He's like, I got some walnut, you know, like actual, like big slabs of walnut. And uh, we can do it with like a live edge or whatever. And 
this was when the purple thing was still just starting. Like I just started kind mm -hmm. of like integrating purple more and more into the channel. And he had this walnut that when he put the stain on it, it kind of like, there was like purple in it that kind of like came out of it, especially if you like lit it a certain way. So I was like, well, that's perfect. And so I was excited about it. And originally it was just sort of like an accent table or like one that I used for, for just secondary shots. And then when I redid my set, I put it in the thing and now I just, yeah, now it's become like a, it's funny how things that happen. Like things yeah. just, some things last and some things, some things get integrated and some things don't. You don't always know what it's going to be when you start out, which I guess is why experimentation is fun because you never know what, I guess, is what's going to stick years later versus what was just something you tried once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's meant know. to be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So do you, does it feel to yourself um, like, because obviously you have such a process in place now for making the videos, the, the content you put in the videos, the thumbnails, does it get repetitive now to the point where it just feels like a job for you? There's definitely some of that. Mm -hmm. um, I always try to fight back against those things by realizing that it works. so many aspects of this are excellent in, when it comes to a job that you almost like, I mean, we've all had jobs or do have jobs. So mm -hmm. uh, like regular jobs and YouTube, as much as it can feel like a job, still has elements to it that it would be a disservice to people who work regular hard jobs to be like, oh, this feels like a job. It's like, does it though? Does it so feel, true. are you in your underwear yeah. right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, does it really feel like a job? You know, Wait, are you, can you stop right whenever you want? <laughs> Stand up. <laughs> Stand up, Gerald. I am wearing shorts in cold weather, though, because I don't have to go outside if I don't want right, to. I could sleep in whenever I want, you know? <laughs> now it's we're like, going into a very big uh, subject, though, because a lot of people might say, come on, man, you create videos. Like, is this so hard job? And yeah, so I guess difficulty, not, sorry to cut you off, but like, I guess I wasn't talking about difficulty so much as in like how much work you put into it. Just I wanted to clarify myself versus mm. um, it, it's, it is a tricky, what is the right word? It's like, it's not, I, I shouldn't, it, I shouldn't compare them not because they're not both difficult. I shouldn't yeah. compare them because there's, there's a, like a privilege or like an advantage or like um, uh, just like... Uh, there's something fun factor. To, yeah, I guess so. There's yeah. an autonomy too, where it's like I I I get the I do everything for myself, my own decision making. Like for the most part, there you can be a little bit of a slave to the system or something, you know. Mm. But uh, there's there's something to it that is definitely advantageous enough to hopefully you can recognize that and hold on to it and, and that gets you through the parts where it's starting to feel like a bit of a job because yes the answer to your question is absolutely when mm -hmm. especially when i'm chasing embargoes or when it <laughs> feels like like sony has been destroying me this year of just like every week it feels like there's like something new uh and like at one point like making jokes like i mean I, you know and and the sony pr people are fantastic and i like working with them and everything but it was like there was a couple of years where it was like wait do i work for sony now like it just feels like i got a box and the thing and then i'm like i better make a video on this date you know and it's like wait yeah. is this my am i working it's like wait this is my i can do whatever i want you know like wanna, yeah um so there's a bit of that where it was like oh i gotta get this up by tuesday at 10 a.m or i'm gonna miss the embargo and then what happens i don't know there's that whole kind of like you know so there's a job, but sorry, I cut you off there, uh, Emilio. Um, uh, what were you saying then about the about the, the job part of it? That was exactly yeah. the point that I wanted to say that people can understand when we see a video from Gerald, for example, that it's uh, 40 minutes or 50 minutes. 
they if you don't do that if you don't try to create because personally me and i was talking about with chris as well i remember chris was telling me i'm creating a video for the lineup of lenses that i'm using and i don't want to create a video again right chris mm-hmm. for lenses like it's yeah. so hard to organize right. everything, to film yeah. all the B-roll, to film all the A-roll, to do the tests. That for me personally, it's easier to say, and I was planning to do that. I did that on Instagram and Twitter. Like I got the A7S III. You want to see if that good? Go to Gerald's video. Like, yeah, yeah it's okay. Sure. <laughs> I'm out, <laughs> you know? I'm not gonna try to do that for weeks or days, you know, to prepare everything that needs to be done for this video. Like, and that's the main question here. How is it the process of creating a video that we see generally on your channel? What is the process, you know, in the time that needs? And the anxious and all the other things that they're getting into consideration when you're making a video like that. For like a bot, like I say, yeah, uh, so like I would a big, say like a new body, like how much, how much time would that take? Yeah. What's your process? Because that's a good thing because it de- obviously depends on, mm-hmm. on what the video is. You know, like a cinema camera probably is like the high end. Of, t- of time and everything, unless I'm doing like several lenses compared, those can be big as well. Um, but yeah, so the research part does take a while. It, it's it's tough because if there's a clock put on me because of a, you know, sometimes you get something and they're like, here's the camera, it goes, we're announcing in four days. Well then, it takes me yeah. four days to make a video, you know? Um, <laughs> but if it's one of those things like where I have extra time with it, I usually like to take a while to just kind of like get a feel for it and and, write things down as they come to me of like, hey, that's weird and you know, and then explore it further. But I would say if I if I had like a realistic deadline and I wanted to give somebody like they're like, how fast can you make this reasonably? I would say that I need I'd love like a week to uh test, you know, research, make notes, then test again and, and so on. I'd like a week for that that I could do four or five days if I put in long days and if weather was permitting and that kind of thing. And then probably I would take an, a full day to then write the, the, like the outline of the script and also maybe do some supplementary stuff related to the test because I normally do everything twice. I'll do kind of like tests where I don't know what I'm testing really. I'm just pointing it at things and seeing what's going on. And then when I observe something, then I might recreate that test more practically for the audience to, to communicate the message where it's like a much more concise test versus just like random stuff I was doing. So I need like a day to kind of like script and redo the tests with structure and then actually record the results. And then it takes me about a day. The noise is getting kind of loud now outside. Maybe I'll send you some B-roll of like yeah, a, it's okay. It's okay. Don't of worry. one of those tractors so you can show the sound. You know? <laughs> we, we, <laughs> can, we can show that they're doing. We can show what, and also ladies and gentlemen, this is what you just hear. This is why companies send products and say, come on, you can have a video in one week. It's not a big deal. You can have a video in five days. This is the exact reason. He's, yeah. saying, he's saying that all these masterpieces, he creates them in a five days or seven days and one day to shoot. Like, come on, Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I would say, and then I, I need a day to film, like that just be basically me saying my script. Uh, a lot of it comes down to writing. I, I try to write the video extremely well so that I basically just have to say it. Uh, and then I can probably edit that that A-roll into like a, a package in that day as well and also make notes on the shots that I need. And then I need, a, and then I need maybe one more day to shoot the supplementary shots 
I should already have the test footage then that I can include, but you know, if I'm like, it has a headphone jack, then I need to shoot a shot of me, like a tight shot of the headphone jack or whatever. Um, and fill in all those ones, do another edit where I kind of put that in, check the grade, master the audio, that kind of thing, get that up. So making the video probably takes me two, three days um, because there's also the thumbnail posting, whatever. So like two, three days to make the video. And then the time before that ranges from like three days to three weeks, depending on how much time I can have and how much time it takes to, that's to awesome. That's awesome. you know, really that, look that, into the product. But I can make I can make a Gerald Undone video in a couple days. There's been times where I've made one in 12 hours uh, where Ooh. I had everything done, but it was just like, okay, research is done. Like I'm ready to go. Uh, now I just need to make the video. And then you realize that they like move the embargo on you or whatever. And I've like made it in 12 hours, which was like, like that was intense, you know? It's mm. like, you just go on one, there's no breaks. You, like as soon as you finish shooting, load it up in the computer, get that first edit and get the shots down, get the supplementary shots, load them back up, master it, get it exported, start working on thumbnail while it's exporting. Just like, I can do it in 12 hours, but like two to three days, there's a formula now. And I can I can recreate it. Earlier on, it would take me much longer. But you do, you, as I'm sure you guys are aware, you do little processes. You start to get, you that know one. yourself. You know what your picky. own videos are. Picky. You know? And then you start yeah. being very picky, right? Mm -hmm. On your videos. Yeah. You, or, or what you I find is that you can sometimes still take the same amount of time because you're getting faster, but you're not saving any time because you're just doing things harder, or yeah. better. You know like what I mean? Where detailed, it's like, yeah. Yeah, like a video that would take me three days before was just a worse video. It still takes me three days now, but they're better. I, I don't know, but yeah. I, but now my now I'm uploading less, and my videos are taking me longer to make in between because because of you know your awesome comments where you say things like, "Oh, your videos are the best," and they have all this, and they're the go-to thing. Well, that means that every single time I feel like I have to. The do at least all the stuff I yeah. did before, yeah. plus maybe some new stuff or whatever. So I just keep making bigger, bigger videos that take yeah. longer and longer to make. You do, know? do you find yourself having a lot of pressure, um, especially in the research stage where <laughs> you have to have it right? And if have there been times where you missed like a technical spec or something that you missed out and you've been called out on by the audience? I mean, sometimes I just don't care about things that uh, like. So I guess there's a there's a spectrum. I've been wrong. I've been wrong before. But mm. other times it's just kind of like I don't focus on something, and there'll be audience that goes like, "Oh, you didn't even talk about my favorite thing or whatever." And that's true. You know, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. Because there's <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's also that filter. It is filtered through me, where it's like what I care about. Because there's a little bit sure. of that. I think that sometimes, especially if you get recommended a lot, people think that you're the absolute answer. Yeah. I still am more like a movie critic where it's like uh, it's my taste as well. So there is there's I try to be objective and I try to provide a lot of information, but there's things that I value more than other things and things that I care about. And if you, if you I find that if you watch my videos say four or five times and you're like hey, he's never talking about the things I care about. Well, I'm just not I'm not your critic. You know, I'm not for mm -hmm. you. You wouldn't take my movie recommendations if every single time I recommended a movie you hated it. So you'd, <laughs> you'd move on to another critic that nails it for you, right? Um, that being so said, I, a, though, sorry to interrupt yeah. you there. You, yes, you're a movie critic, but in some cases, you're a movie critic that the movie is then using to promote the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like for Sony, yeah, like that is you, interesting. So like they trust your opinion enough that they want to use you as their movie critic, if that makes sense. Like I don't find there's anyone else point. out there that's quite yeah. like that. You are literally on your own. It's a it's a very separate niche that mm -hmm. you've kind of built around around your content. That's very interesting. Yeah, and also I suppose in that regard. Gerald, you have the freedom to say every, anything that you want. That's also something that you don't find very often to the YouTube channels, that you can say to companies, you can send me the products, 
I'm gonna make a review for them and I'm gonna say everything I find. I'm not gonna say, you know, okay, let's say that Canon does not overheat. Let's say that, <laughs> you know, you're very honest to the videos that you create. And I believe that's something that the audience sees as well on your videos. You know, and if you're not doing sponsored videos, it's not too hard. For the most part, most of the companies I've worked with, especially like the big camera brands, there might be like some small companies that make parts that they're, they have like, we only want this kind of thing and then I just don't even bother with it. It's like, I could just buy that on Amazon and say what I want. I'm not gonna tarnish reputation for your $30, whatever, little <laughs> trinket, you know? Yeah. Um, but like the big brands, Canon, Sony, Panasonic, whatever, for the most part, they don't really, they don't really care. Like they, they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, do what you got to do. Um, hopefully, that's based on building a reputation or something. But um, yeah, like I've had where even when I, you know, go in pretty hard on a product, that they send the next one, and then maybe the next one's great, and then it just, you know, it goes like that. Um, there, there's something there though, which is that I suppose I do feel a bit of responsibility to advocate for the customer but again it's a customer has filtered through me so when i do make videos and i say something to sony like you got to put s cinetone in the a7s3 or else i i mean i'm feeling a little ripped off now uh mm -hmm. that's me trying to advocate for somebody who you know maybe feels the same way as me now i'm kind of a voice for that but if you're somebody there might be somebody who feels that they're missing that where they're like oh i wish that these are things that are important to me and Gerald never talks about them. So I'm not really advocating for that person, even though, like you said, I guess I have a position, a special position there. So maybe that's something where the criticism is more valid than just a movie critic thing where it's like, find the right critic. It's like, I wish that Gerald was advocating for my, my niche thing that I want as well. I don't know. But to, to answer your question as well, um, the I have been wrong before where not so much like I missed something but more of where I I sometimes I, I make up idea or like I have theories it's like here's something that's been going on I don't know what is going on and you don't get clear answers from the company because they're not going to tell you yeah. how certain things work but you're like here's my theory based on and I show my evidence and I come up with a conclusion and like I've been ISO wrong on about the that. A7S3 dualizer yeah, that I'm not wrong about. Anybody that says it's not dual yeah. ISO is, is incorrect. There's people have made videos where like Gerald's wrong. It's noise. It's not noise reduction. It's it's <laughs> Sony's Sony's had dual native ISO sensors for years, and people just never looked. And now people are going back and looking at their A73, and you can flick through the ISO range and S log and see a cleanup. There's a different. It's been there for a long time. People just want to disprove me on that one. Uh, but then the FX6 and FX3 and stuff like that exist, and they kind of just validated what I was saying. You know, it's like it's the same sensor, but it's not the same sensor. It's, it's the same. <laughs> get out of here! It's the same sensor. They they all have dual new. I think what it is is that probably this is me theorizing. This part's pure theory. But I think maybe Sony has a standard for them to call it dual native ISO, and maybe it has to do with uh, an aspect of the fact that they're also sensor provider for other companies. So there's probably some legality there where you can't just go throwing labels on things that you don't let other companies throw labels on and using the same sensor and that kind of thing. So maybe for like their FX line, like FX9, FX6, uh, I feel like with the FX6 they call it dual native. Maybe they didn't. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But let's say that they did. I feel like it has to reach a certain threshold. Like maybe the dynamic range or the noise performance or whatever has to be within a certain percentage for them to say, okay, this is actually dual native sensor. And maybe even if they do have separate gain staging, but the disparity is a little bit greater, then it doesn't get that designation. So they don't officially call it that. And then that way, if Panasonic or Nikon or whatever buys that sensor, they also don't call it dual native ISO because 
Sony's not calling it that either. There's no weird competition where one brand calls it one and one doesn't, and then that brand seems more appealing. I think there's some politics there based on Sony being a sensor provider. That's all theory. I'm just making all this up. I'm making yeah. it up. But I those, don't have any. <laughs> those theories are good to have though, because it gives people a sense of an understanding around it, right? At least, like for mm. me, like an outsider's point of view, like I take that theory and like, oh, it kind of makes sense. Whereas before, but, I, like I wouldn't really know why I'd do that. But this is something where, if this was my own video, somebody in the comments could then be like, having worked for Sony for 15 years, I can <laughs> right, tell you yeah, you're full yeah. of crap. It's like, well, there you go. I guess I'm wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, and I'll often pin that comment uh, to because the ISO is not a good example, but there is a good example. I left the video up as a, as a case study, but I made a video a couple of years ago where I couldn't figure out why when I was recording externally from my Sony to the Atomos, why the, the S-Log looked different. One was contrastier than the other one. And my first instinct would be those external recorder, but I was able to fix it on the Sony camera by starting in a different gamma, like say Cine, and then switching S-Log, then it would match mm. the external recorder. So it made me think that there's some kind of like signaling issue in the Sony where it doesn't realize when it's an S-Log, it's not, because like, the fact that I could manipulate it. Um, and then Alistair Chapman went on a little heater there and was like, uh, he like wrote a whole blog post because uh, I guess he was getting a lot of questions from people being like, what's going on with this video? Is there a problem with my Sony camera? And it turns out it's like a long issue that he's been battling for years that he knew about where it's like a, a data levels versus video levels going to external recorders. And But the, the reason why the camera was weird is that depending on the gamma you put the camera on, it actually sends different like whether it sends full or legal range. And I didn't realize that that and that, depending on which one it sends to the recorder, the recorder either accepts it correctly or doesn't. It has to do with ProRes and license. It's a whole big mess. And so he made a whole post on it. And that's just an example of one where I just, I theorized incorrectly that it's not the camera. It was the, you know, like a metadata almost issue with the external recorder. And so I left a video up, I pinned his comment and, uh, yeah, but I, so it happens from time speaking, to time. This, speaking yeah. of comments, um, how are you how are you handling them? Like, I understand that there are going to be a lot of uh, good comments, a lot of comments that they're going to say thank you, you know, and all that uh, good stuff. But and also the constructive criticism, right? But how do you handle the the comments that you see they're just mean, they're just bad? How you how are you handling this if you see that on the channel? What am I doing, or like how am yeah, I emotionally yeah. handling it? How you handling it? Uh, I think what? like anybody else, <laughs> I I'd love to not care. I have a I have a. There's a, I think it, it depends. Everybody's got their own little triggers, right? Let's spin on my computer. Um, for for some people, it's probably different things. For me, I don't care if somebody comments, "You're ugly," "I hate you," whatever. It's like, okay, well, that's fine, you know. <laughs> but there's certain things where that that do bug me, and maybe they they eat at you a little bit. Where like I don't like being called. I don't like when people call me like a, a sellout or a fanboy or a shill or whatever because like <laughs> I've tried so hard for so many videos for so long to like remain objective and constant, you know, and it's like you watch two videos on Sony and now you think I'm owned by Sony or whatever, you know, where it's like I have videos being like, this is the greatest camera ever and it's like a Canon camera or whatever and I shot all those videos on Blackmagic. Like, this doesn't make any sense, right? Um, but so those ones get to me and then I always want to like have to argue back and stuff like that versus other comments I don't care and I'm sure for other people it's different. As far as how I moderate them, I would say I have tears. If the comment is just like on the surface, 
objectively racist or sexist or something like that. It just goes and they get hid, like hide user from channel, report, whatever, then they're gone and that's that. Um, Then there's kind of a gray area where sometimes I can't tell if it's a English as a second language thing or if they're just being an ass. Like I don't really know exactly what's going on. So if it seems that it's possible, then I might just honestly reply and be like, what? You know, like, and then give them a chance to like clarify. Um, or what I'll do is I'll kind of, I'll have them in like a holding pattern where I think to myself like, I'm gonna keep an eye on that bozo. Um, and periodically, so if I do say I got a, a weird comment today that I thought, is this just, is this guy just being rude? Like, you know, to no, to no thing. I'll search their username and comment history. And if, I, if there's like four of those, I'll be like, okay. I see what's going on here, and then they get the same. It's time, you know, yeah. block and delete treatment. <laughs> um, but if it's just you know something like, not a big fan of the way you went about that. Nah, okay, whatever. It, it, I feel like it depends on just whether or not you're adding in stuff to be like I don't know. I want to not use colorful language. If you're being a, a very impolite, rude person. Uh, you can like say I, I, if you're being I don't, a dick, I don't, like feel yeah, free, feel free, yeah, yeah. I don't like comments that start off like, you know, you guys probably all know what I'm talking about. Where it's like have to say it, but uh, you know, like some kind of like yeah. that kind of tutor where it's like, sorry, but no, I already know whatever's about to follow here is just being a dick because like a, there was, you know, I got a comment recently that I almost wanted to share because it's so good. It's a perfect example of what to do, and it was like, you know. Uh, really enjoyed the video. One thing, if I may request, is you think you could try adding in some, you know, isolated corner tests and this and that kind of thing? And it was like, yeah, cool. It was like you, 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 you made the compliment sandwich thing, and in there you asked for something that I could add into the video. So I'm very like, yeah, if that's if it's hel- helpful to you for sure. Versus, video sucks. You didn't even do corner tests. Learn how to read or whatever, <laughs> something like that. You know, you're like, okay, like. There's a nice what, way to do everything. That yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the other one that I'll that I'll that I do not do well with is if people go and reply to all the other comments. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody likes my video and then they'll go and be like, "Why do you like the video? You suck!" and just like berate all the other commenters. Mm-hmm. They immediately nobody's got time for that. Just I just like trolling. don't go. Yeah. yeah, don't crap on other positivity. Like so, that I just I just dump that. You you can say what you want to me, but you can't you can't. To the audience. You can't crap on my other commenters. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't I don't tolerate that too well. You know, the thing that frustrates me the most with YouTube is that on our niche, because it's a niche that I don't think we have so many haters like uh, other YouTube channels, you know, more uh, trendy Mr. Beast kind of channels. So we're a very targeted, very uh, small niche. And I love, first of all, that we as creators we're all very friendly with each other we support the videos and everything so whenever i see negativity even the dislike button right i'm 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 saying to myself wait a minute you saw something that you didn't like okay just pass on don't don't ever watch the video don't subscribe don't comment don't like don't do anything why spread negativity? So this is something that I never understood on YouTube. Why someone would go and watch a channel to say, uh, you suck, man. Your video sucks. <laughs> like, what do you gain, right? Even even with the dislike button, I have a pretty pretty strict line on my use of the dislike button. It's like if I feel like the content is harmful or bad or misleading or whatever, then I might yeah. use the dislike button. But anything mm-hmm. on the other side of that, I just cl- close, move on to the next video. Like, yeah. if I, you, you have to be able to tell, is this objectively bad 
or do I yeah. just not like it? And I guess dislike, the problem with dislike is that it, it could mean both. It could mean like, oh, I just don't, I didn't find the video entertaining. I don't like it, so I dislike. But yeah, it's it feels like the wrong, I almost want that button to be, this video is trash, like objectively trash. It's kind of like what I want yeah. that they button to They said they're going to change that. They said uh, an update came yesterday. The they're going to take Yeah, they're going to take away yeah. the numbers, but the creator is going to know the numbers of the dislikes. You know what I, I don't think really would have been cooler serves much of a purpose. If, if they actually had like the dislike button, but the moment you hit it, there's like a quick survey that just says, said, I dislike yeah, the yeah, content yeah. of the video, or I dislike the lighting. <laughs> I don't know. But like just like a quick survey. That, and if you choose, that, one, that if you choose like 80% of the options, it doesn't count your dislike because most of them are just like, I didn't, I didn't like his tone of voice or whatever. Yeah. And so you choose that, and then yeah. just your dislike is not does not qualify. Or yeah, valid. <laughs> it's valid. Exactly. And no, you can't I, redo it. You want to give another reason? No, you already said yeah. spike. They like don't let you do it again. <laughs> That's so good. It'd be you nice know, if we had the option just to turn those. Like you have a list of options you can do, and you just turn them on when you want to use them. Like that would be a really great one to use. I think like, to have dislike with a comment. You just get so much information from that. I don't know why they wouldn't add it. Like they give us so many other tools for how to improve. This is Analytics. doing well. This isn't doing yeah. well. Like that's such a simple one to add. It just seems strange. That it's they like don't directly do it. from the consumer who's yeah, consuming your video, right? You see, YouTube feedback. says that it's a useful piece of information, but I actually don't find it useful. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. If I look at my last like ten videos, they all have very similar like to dislike ratios of anywhere from like ninety eight point two to ninety eight point eight like percentage. Um, normally my average I think is like 98.5, 98.6. So is it all the same people that are disliking it or is it rotating through? So it's like when I talk about Sony, I get 1.4% dislikes from Canon users. Like I, I don't know, what, and it doesn't mean anything to me and it's yeah. always the same where it's just like, I guess all my videos have one and a half percent disliked. So what am I gonna do with that information? It's not like I get I get to see like yeah. oh I should do something different in the next video so that I get one point five percent dislikes again like yeah. what, what am I gonna do It's not helpful but maybe to people who are experimenting more they could consider it feedback for the channel you know like maybe I don't know it's it's tough to say right It's probably the same people like you have the people that are subscribed to you and as soon as you post a video they just dislike it like I swear yeah. there's those people that are out there so yeah but you're right like not thinking about it is a is a good thing. <laughs> Gerald, a lot of uh, creators, we've seen that uh, they are starting creating new products, right? So yeah. besides uh, presets, effects, uh, or anything on the tutorial and, uh, you know, artistic side of things, uh, we recently saw uh, products... Josh Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the marble, right? The orbit. Yeah. And something that I want to tell you because you saved me a lot of times in the set. Why haven't you created a product of the white balance? Um, I would buy it right away, like the Gerald white balance uh, gray that you have right now on your right hand wrist. Oh, <laughs> that's what that is? Oh my God. <laughs> okay, Tassif um, doesn't know about it. Please, please it. tell us, tell us. And also for people who listen to the podcast, just know we have a video version as well on YouTube. Uh, you can understand right now, hope on YouTube to see what uh, Gerald is going to say. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't start out like that, I guess. Like, I, I made a video about, you know, how white balance is important, you know, and compared different things like RAW and JPEG and videos of different bit depths and that kind of thing. And I was explaining that even if you don't have a white balance card, just having something that's relatively neutral gray can be handy. And I, at that point, I was doing a lot of overhead shots. 
And so I was like, I have a neutral gray shoelace that I have just tied to my wrist. And in the video, I was showing that you could just drop around my shoelace and it like was fixing the white balance <laughs> in the videos. And so it was like my white balance bracelet, basically, that like whenever I'm doing like an unboxing, I have like a, a white balance source. But then it just kind of became something I wear all the time now. It's probably dude, probably not as neutral gray anymore. It's probably all gross and sweaty. You, I gave you the idea. Chris, are you listening to this? Yeah. I gave you What's the that? idea. I gave you the idea, like the NBA players that they have the the bracelets. How do you call them? Gerald. Like a sweatband? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gerald and Dan in neutral gray. Please do it. So, guys, you know what's so tomorrow. So, to see, to see if we'll tell you right now, we've been... Go on, you, you tell it. You fill them in. Oh, no. I, oh, man. Now, now it just seems like... <laughs> now we can't do it. Yeah, now we can't do it. No. But, like, I, basically, it, so I guess a bunch of people are on the same wavelength, but I, I thought of that as well. I never knew you were. that's what you were doing, and I didn't notice that on you your You didn't tell either. me anything? But, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? Like, so Chris and I were talking, and we're like, yo, we, we should make, like, a few products or something like that. And this was one of the products that I was like, dude, you know what would be sick? If we came up with, like, a leather or, like, some sort of, like, uh, fabric, like, wristband or something that's, like, neutral gray, and that way, you know, people don't have to carry like $200 like color checkers for like just YouTube videos and they can just flash their wrist right and you see Jenna, and they didn't tell me anything because if they tell me and they call themselves friends I would cancel them right away I would say dudes three <laughs> years ago Gerald, three years ago he said that I gotta, he had a ponytail back then <laughs> <laughs> I got a million dollar idea for you then you should make lens caps mm -hmm. that are spectrally neutral oh. So that when you set up the shot and you take the lens cap off, you can just like hold it, dude. That's and then, brilliant. Like, put it down or whatever. Dude, you know? Okay. Obviously, you'd have to. Like, Gerald's getting party. royalties. Yeah, <laughs> Gerald's getting royalties from this. Add that to the just, list. Just get ready when Gerald decides to make product. What he's gonna do? Just get ready. <laughs> this conversation's come up a lot recently. I, people keep asking me like whether it's like do you have a digital product or you should make a physical product or whatever. And I, I think I'm gonna think hard about it. In April, let's say, because I, you know, I want to, but I've always struggled with just kind of like, I don't know what it would be, you know? I have this part of me that has this like, like I could probably sell technical LUTs and make a bunch of them, but then I've also always been like, I'm trying to make things without paywalls and I've provided so many things for free and stuff like that, that it's been like um, difficult for me to understand where I want to set the line on a product or not. And so... I, I want to make some kind of product, but I don't know what it is. I should get a think tank, like not not the brand. I was like, I should hire a think tank to come up, pitch product ideas at me. Be like, I like that, you know? I feel like and it would be please, something to do with testing and like, I, it yeah. would have to go like that route. And like also an stop unboxing giving, kit with like yeah, a bunch of like tools and, or something. And, oh, yeah. and stop giving ideas on podcasts. For yeah, free. really. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone's just writing down notes. You know, you know what's funny, Gerald? Like, if we had no context, and if somebody just saw you with your background, all I see is like, there's like hammer, knives, like tape, duct tape. <laughs> like, so I actually nearly, MacGyver. I nearly sent MacGyver. you the screenshot before, Gerald. Um, the first time you changed your studio, um, what's it called? Is it Home Improvement, the old show? There's a scene. With Tim Allen? Yeah, yeah, there's a scene, yeah. and he's got like exactly the same backdrop when he has like his TV studio. And it looks oh, really? Yeah. Mm. I'll see if I can find Tool it and send it to you. What's that? I think the show was called Tool, Tool Time. Tool Time, that's his, it. Yeah, his yeah, yeah. TV show. Yeah, yeah and yeah. It, look, it just looks the same. The first time I saw your new setup, I was like, oh, it reminds me of that. Yeah, now, I've, I've liked, you know, it's funny, yeah. a lot of people think I'm in a garage or a basement or whatever. I just like the kind of like workshop vibe. Mm -hmm. But this is this is a living room, effectively. 
but yeah is this um, part of your house like are you is this part yeah. of your house yeah so okay. this is like this is my new place which how's is like your poor wife your poor wife this is a living room right like what what does <laughs> yes. she say how, how did you do that please give us give us information <laughs> give us <laughs> um the uh you know like i i i chose this space knowing like the previous place was kind of like I, I slowly spread like a virus throughout it and so then i went <laughs> shopping for a place that like okay where can i stick a studio like you know more with that mindset in mind so it's definitely optimized for that now now i want nice. to ask you before this pandemic crisis covid 19 thing that uh, they don't allow me to swear that's why i stopped uh came <laughs> you have started a very good series that you were visiting studios. I love and, that series. Uh, yes. That was really good. I want to say, Thanks, guys. how do you feel, first of all, not traveling? Because, yeah, we saw that you uh, traveled through sea, through ski, through ocean, <laughs> through mountains. Yeah, we did a lot of water sports to go. But how do, you, how do you feel that you're not yet able to do that again? And if you're planning to continue that in the future? Yeah, so I'd love to continue it. Um, and I'm definitely bummed about traveling. I'm sure as much as everybody else is. Um, but one thing I can say is that for me as, and you guys can relate to this, but like YouTube is kind of a, a weird, lonely job <laughs> where you do things by yourself. You talk to yourself in a weird way. You're like yelling camera. at the camera. <laughs> Yeah, and then you edit your own face. You listen to yourself you know, all like day. Like, exactly. It's very vain. It's weird. So the best part about the, the studio tubers was almost just kind of like, what can I make up as an idea to do more collabs that require traveling? And also, I was also trying to find a, a good, fun integration for uh, like a protracted sponsor contract that I had at the time. So I was trying to come up with some of the studio tours, which just filled that. But the real thing for me that was great about it was I was choosing people that I liked or that I wanted to know better or that I wanted to spend some time with. And funding it through the sponsor to then go and fly I, I spoiler that I only ever really flew places I never took a submarine or anything in case anybody was <laughs> convinced it. for real um, yeah so I get to fly places to like hang out with you know Farouk from iPhone Do or Tyler Stallman or Josh or Potato Jet or whatever and like spend time and just kind of like hang out and and talk YouTube and you know go out to dinner and then like talk shop and like relate and that kind of thing. That stuff's great. Um, and I think it's really healthy for this type of profession um, yeah. where you can be kind of isolated. So then COVID is basically an exercise in isolation, which we're all good at when it comes to, we can produce in isolation, which is fantastic, but it limits the only outlets really for making any kind of connection there, you know yeah. yeah that was the main idea of this podcast as well because when we were talking about it and this whole podcast was created in 48 hours that like we were saying we should make a podcast right and we should uh, connect with other creators in our space in the youtube creator space and when we started this we realized that the connection which is not very easy now with the covid it's very easy via internet via this kind of interaction that we missed a lot being alone, as you said, creating videos for our channels and being these uh, lonely, weird dudes, exactly as you said, <laughs> that we edit ourselves. <laughs> you know, that, that's yeah. not very easy for mentally health. Yeah, yeah so I, I definitely yeah. want to get back into just for that alone, uh, keep, to keep, you know, 
connecting with people who who you can relate to. The best thing about them is that uh, you you know you, normally you make friends just from like who you're around or whatever, whoever you went to school with, that kind of thing. But the best part about the studio tours is it's been a great way to meet people that are great friends for the reasons where you like choose them because it's like you connect on so many things and I'd like to definitely be able to get back to doing that you know what happened That's with the important. uh the one with pete because you were there for a bit weren't you like you, you teased it and then it never happened yeah like that that was kind of like uh, you know if it's somebody who i hadn't met before in person um which would be the case for for peter mckinnon we'd never met uh so it was like well let's let's hang out and you know just get to know each other so that that when we scheduled the the studio tour it, it would be a little bit more natural or whatever so we did that but then you know the pandemic and everything and then obviously pete himself is very busy um so and he was in the middle of a whole studio he's constantly in a whole studio thing himself we're just changing everything. <laughs> yeah um, every month and, and i haven't really pushed to reschedule with him since then because i you know i got bogged down in the last couple quarters of camera release stuff but i'm in that zone now where i'm thinking of like but then yeah there's there's this there's a bit of like awkwardness about the pandemic where you don't really want to like test other like yeah, yeah. it's an awkward conversation to have and you're like how how do you feel about it and then so it's a whole thing so i'm kind of just like yeah yeah exactly yeah, just, just kind of saving out. it for later um so do you have like but, a like a list of like people like you're ready to like go to like fly to the states and start traveling around again like as soon as it's lifted yeah like i mean we i've had there's some conversations at play that are like we should get this going you know right away like probably one of the more prominent recent ones would be peter lindgren uh we were talking about because i've been wanting to go to sweden are you coming to europe (laughs) yeah i definitely i mean there's definitely plans to it's not exclusive north america yeah but you're Uh, coming you're coming to greece right if, if you if you come to Sweden, if you come to Sweden, Greece is like two hours. With the it's next door, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> Acropolis, Uvlaki, you know, like give me, come with your wife, you know, give me three days, you will, you will feel relaxed, you know, you will go out of here, say yeah, I want six months of straight videos every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I would say the Peter Lingren one's the one that has been most recently actively talked about. In fact, he even sent me like a. A hotel listing. Yeah, he's oh, like, wow. you say right there. It's right close to my thing, whatever. So that one, I think, and I've been, I've wanted to go to Sweden. I've never been to Sweden before. Um, so I think that'll be a good one. Obviously, the Peter McKinnon one's still tentative. Um, and I, I talked a bit with Maddie about it, uh, but Maddie was one that's like, you know, sort of a COVID lockdown kind of guy at the time, and I was the same way. So uh, I think there's probably a couple more that. Um, in the states too that were I, I don't know off the top of my head uh, I would say probably the first I, I feel like the first one I would do when the world opens up again though is probably Peter Lindgren um, go big go home right go to Europe and- <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we'll wait for you get to a come. little travel out of it you know mm-hmm. okay and I have an idea I have an idea okay. if you come to Europe we should all go then and visit London so we can go to Philip yeah, sure, and that's yeah. That's another thing. I should I should definitely. Oh, you should do a Philip Bloom one, yeah. Oh yeah, that would be nice. Definitely go see Philip Bloom, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah, dude. I, I've been actually wanting to ask you, where do you get your sound panels from? Because I need to like sound sound panel this place no up. No free advices. Uh, no free advice. Str- sorry, sorry, that's no. No. <laughs> you should buy my course Philip on Link. sound yeah. panels. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty nine ninety nine only. Link that's the next product. <laughs> so right now I'm doing. T- 
three things. Uh, I had actually made some like custom acoustic panels that. That's your product. You know, effectively, they only cost me like twenty, and they're actually neutral gray too. You can actually, you can <laughs> kind of see. Well, not really, but there's an edge of one Is in the shot one? here. Uh. Um, but uh, they're okay. They cost me like twenty, twenty-five bucks to make. They're fine. They're a little bit janky and that kind of thing, but they're they're fine. Um, and then I have a video on my channel that you can check out where I compare those ones to ones that were made by somebody who makes them well. Uh, and I got a slew of them from him. And, uh, you know, there's more premium, like little beveled edges and better fabric and that kind of thing. And okay. then more recently, when I moved into this space, because I put, if you look at my studio tour, or my, like, my updated studio thing, the I put them all on the ceiling. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there was still just... It's pretty cavernous, this space, so there was still a bit of like extra reverb and that kind of thing, or echo. Um, so now I'm, in addition to those things, I'm also running some sound blankets now from mm -hmm. that I ordered from Vocal Booth to go, and I've got them on rolly stands, uh, and I have them folded in half, so they're like double thick, so it's, I think they're, I think they're four feet, I think they're eight feet folded in half, so they're like a double thick four feet that go almost floor to ceiling, I've got one there and one there, and they substantially cut down on the echo. So I would say now going backwards, I would argue that maybe the first treatment that I would suggest for somebody is to start with sound blankets mm. because if you're not sure on your space, then sound blankets are versatile versus like yeah. treating a space. You could move the blankets in or whatever. And yeah, if you can put them on like a rolly stand or something, then they're actually really convenient and you can just kind of like... It's a good point. You or know, get a plugin, Tassif. Get a plugin. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do. But, when I before I had these, I was using like Dverb from RX, exactly, which which helped. <laughs> Sound blankets are better. I could ah, I could tell okay. you for sure they're better. <laughs> it's it's this kind of voice like look at me here. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's a little bit of like oh, yeah. Anything uh, specific that we should wait in the future of the channel, like the name, the current month, uh, the month of April. February. April, April. Yeah, where, where are you? <laughs> I said the month of April. Come on. Okay. English is oh, not my month, native language. The month of April. Okay. Yeah. English okay. is not like my February. Yeah, it's my not mistake. my native language, but it's not that bad, right? Is it that bad? <laughs> no, that's the first time where I was like, where I completely took it to mean something else. Thank you. Thank you for um, your kind words. Thank you. <laughs> uh, next video. Uh, actually, I'm shooting later today. I'm going to be shooting. Uh, like a kind of interviewee video with Jordan Drake on uh, Black Magic Raw for the Panasonic S1H. We're just going to mm -hmm. have like a chat about it. Maybe that'll be a video, just a conversation, you know, loaded with a bunch of samples and that kind of thing. So basically, that's what I'm working on now. I've got the Nikon Z6 II and the Pan <coughs> and the Panasonic S1H and uh, some uh, Black Magic recorders, like the video assists, and I'm just playing around with Black Magic Raw on third-party cameras. And I'm Capturing gonna be C-roll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I said, I'll send you some of that so that if if ever it is noisy, you can just like cut away to construction <laughs> actual shots. I have a construction. That's what Philip Bloom taught me. That always show the sound. Um, <laughs> so it'll be funny. Um, but yeah, I don't actually have the any like embargo. Not like I'd tell you anyway, but yeah. uh, <laughs> truthfully, I, I always feel comfortable telling people when I don't have anything, you know, otherwise I have to be like, there might be something, but no, um, luckily I kind of have a bit of a break where I don't have the last 
the, uh, Sony sent me a massive box like a month ago that was like, here's your work for the next four weeks. It was like, they gave me, they basically gave me like a schedule. It was crazy. It was like, we've got, what was the first thing? It was like, we got this 50 mil lens. You could talk about it on March 6th. And then we've got the, the, the well, there was 35. a camera. A1, the A1, and then the three lenses. A1. Yeah, and, the, yeah, and, and the then, then there were. three and. FX3. FX3. There was there was also something else. Oh, they the, well they also sent me the microphones. I didn't even get a chance to look at those. Um, see, yeah. And then were, <laughs> yeah, and then and then the three lenses. Yeah. So and they were all like one week apart. It was like every Tuesday they had an embargo thing. So I was basically just working my way through that box and like a couple other ones, and uh, and so. So they I think seem, I'm almost done. They seem I'm to listen my to you. So you got to tell them in one of your next videos just to start spreading out their releases a little bit then. I mean, I assume they put, they probably have a team of people that figured those and things out. And just know yeah. if you have a break uh, in Europe, we are uh, we are lifting the the restrictions in the border. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald, I appreciate question for the you. invitation. Two cameras, two lenses. What do you go with? Let's see. Are, like, are they working? Are they working together? Like I'm using yeah. two cameras. Yeah, yeah. If you can yeah, select okay. two cameras and two lenses to keep with you. As yours, personally, for like everything, what would you go? Any with? budget? Any budget. Ah, no, actually, wait. Should, should we okay. make it harder? Because, okay, well, I can tell you my any budget just to give it an easy okay, answer. Okay. I would okay. choose two A1s uh, because I've learned from using it that like you can just do whatever the hell I need to do with it um, mm. if I want to do photos or video or whatever. Uh, and I'd probably have, I guess, like a 70 to 200 and a 24 to 70. I know that's kind of like lazy, but I mean... If I can only have two lenses, I think I'd have Sigma those two. Sony. Sigma or Sony. Sigma or Sony 24-70. Well, I take the Sigma 24-70. and then <laughs> See, there you, currently... go, there you go. Again. There okay, you I'm go. getting it. I'm buying it. Okay. <laughs> I will make the order next month. On February, next month. I'm <laughs> hoping Sony. for a Sigma 70-200 of the mm. same caliber. I want like a 70-200 of the 24-70 yeah. to, to give that option for against the g master of the 7200 but in in the meantime it'd be the g master 7200 and then the sigma 24 to 70 and two a1s two i guess a1s. Is, nice. is what i would pick yeah I, I guess you probably use it with a external monitor all the time anyway so if you want to see yourself and stuff like that then you oh, yeah i never even considered screen. that that they didn't have the, the flippy screen but it would be good i guess because i actually like that screen for actually I, I hate all screens for everything for like mm. for photos <laughs> It's well, like, it's like sometimes I like having just the screen that the only screen that's good is the S1H screen. That's the only good screen on mm -hmm. any on any camera, but it's ridiculously chunky. <laughs> um, but it's the only one where I feel like that screen is never going to pose any problems, you know. Mm. But other than that, there's always one where it's like that's really good for this thing, but then you're trying to get a portrait photo low. So true. And then the screen's only flipping out, like, and you're like, what the hell? You can't. And you, yeah. I'm not going to lay on the ground and use the viewfinder. So I just, you ever just wing it? You just like, you just like hold focus, and <laughs> yeah, just press like a bunch best. of shutter. You're yeah. like, one of these will be prayer. good, you know? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not 16 um, years old, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> One one advice that uh, you would say to a um, to a creator that he wants to start a YouTube channel in twenty twenty one, what that would be? Uh, I'll try to avoid being too lame, but it's going to be cliche ridden a little bit. Uh, obviously, everybody knows you got to find a niche, right? So let's say you've got that kind of figured out. Um, it's for me. It's always it's it's this it's this passion thing. I feel like people are attracted to passion. Um, so you can use it on both ends of the 
of the process. One, if you're not sure what to make your channel on, try and I always say there's like a, an experiment where everybody has that thing where when they're having a conversation at like a dinner party or whatever, that they used to talk about way too much and weird things that people roll their eyes and now they've had to learn. They're not, they're not supposed to talk about dinosaurs too much anymore because it's weird of how much they talk about dinosaurs, right? <laughs> that's your thing. That's what you make the YouTube channel on. The thing that people told you, you know, okay, Stop easy. <laughs> yeah, easy with that, that topic, all right? You're making everybody's eyes uh, gloss over whatever. So that's your topic. And then you format the channel based on that thing. And then when you start doing your videos, don't hold back. Uh, like uh, reverse that whole idea of, you know, go easy on it. Don't go easy on it at all. Be yourself. Present how excited and passionate you are about dinosaurs or whatever and just yeah. lean into it hard because not only will the people that are also excited about dinosaurs be happy that they have that channel, but moreover, people that don't care are going to get some random recommendation one day and they're going to click on it and they're going to just either find it comical or just enjoy your passion and your intensity. There's a few channels that I watch that are not really my my categories, but just the, the way the person mm. does their thing is just like, it's captivating. And you can liken this all the way to like, everybody loves Bob Ross or whatever. You know what I mean? Just like the guy's like a character. Um, but all all genres have have that. And it's just really just about like, Unloading that thing that everybody has that it's something you've got something in you that you're you're weird about That's the thing that that you need to lean into and lean into it hard might as well. So when can we expect the dinosaur channel? <laughs> <laughs> I do like dinosaurs. I don't know that I, I, I like enough for a channel. <laughs> yeah. oh, that'd be nice Mine would just be like playing with dinosaur <laughs> toys or <whatever>. Jurassic Park <laughs> theme over the top. Yeah. yeah, it's all like tilt shift yeah. So it looks yeah. like a big thing, you know, make it like a little Godzilla movie. <laughs> wow, this Gerald and Dutch is really <laughs> falling off an edge. <laughs> it was, I, I believe it was a video that you were playing with a car, right? The, the yeah. van, a minivan. And it's I true. I was I, running over gummy bears with it or whatever. Yeah, and I think I have it somewhere. Yeah, because I had the same van. So when I when I watched this video, I was like, "Come on, man! He, he has the same van with me. Like, should we play it's now a, together?" With it's actually <laughs> right there. It's a little VW bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can see it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, if you pull it back, it's got like one of those like things where then it shoots forward. Oh. So I was like pulling it back and then filming it driving between batteries and running over gummy bears and stuff like that. it was like because it was bebop <laughs> bebop sent me that as like a branded thing the battery manufacturer so i just shot this like little sequence they sent me packs of gummy bears and batteries <laughs> and that vw bus so i just used all this stuff together to like make yeah. a little action sequence it was ridiculous it was i ridiculous. feel i feel <laughs> like that uh we could continue talking and talking for many hours but i want to say a huge thank you first of all for all the time that uh you devoted to us for this podcast thank you and i want to say a huge thank, thank you, you for all of the videos and the stuff again as i started that you created for this community of content creators because i want you to know you helped a lot of people with their decisions and this is uh something that i will speak you know behalf of all the content creators Thank you for all the work that you're putting on your videos and, of course, for being here, Gerald. Thanks so much. I, that's really kind. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Gerald. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, hopefully, sometime in the near future, we can uh, 
probably meet up somewhere here in Canada. But uh, talk about yeah, dinosaurs. We need to talk about yeah. dinosaurs. Like <laughs> dinosaur meetup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a awesome. wonderful day. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, you guys too. Right. See All ya. Right.